All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Trek About special. It has been a little while since we did one of those, but I uh, got the opportunity to interview my guest today, Jennifer Nash. You probably know her best uh, from her work on genre TV, such as Star Trek The Next Generation, most famously The Inner Light. Uh, She was also on Sliders, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Now she works as a casting director, and she also has a web series that she is trying to get off the ground. I believe she's working on the first episode today. So hopefully we'll be talking to her about all of those things. Uh, So thank you very much for joining me, Jennifer Nash. Thank you so much for having me. So to start off with, I want to have you kind of tell us in your own words, you know, what uh, your web series is about. Um, You know, I I watched the trailer online. It looks very interesting. I I know that you're currently uh, working on uh, the first episode. So so do you want to kind of give us a little bit of of an overview of that? Sure, I'd love to. Um, it's a it's a sci-fi web series, and it's it's a short format right now because I'm trying to keep a little bit of creative control, at least in the very beginning. Um, and it's a it's basically a time travel piece, and so the the time travel can go lots of different ways. But in the very beginning, you know, spoiler alert: it's a underground railroad meets time travel. That sounds really interesting. So is that kind of the initial conception of it and it's going to go in different directions or is that kind of how, how the entire, uh, the entire series is going to go? Do you think? No, it's starting out that way. Um, for, for lots of reasons. One of which is that I've got really excited and inspired by Pennsylvania history and Pennsylvania was a real big part of the underground railroad and some very, just very interesting research. Um, yeah. I've always been fascinated with it, but actually being in Pennsylvania made even more real and, you know, interesting. So that's a, that's a big part of why I started there and also kind of a little bit, I mean, I don't want to get political or anything, but kind of because of the, the divide in the country right now. I think it's, it's, uh, it's got, I think there's, there's opportunities just like all of the Star Trek series always had to, to um, talk about or bring about some social justice questions at the very least and sort of look at things that are happening now and things that have happened in the past and things that could happen in the future through the eyes of imagination, you know? Yeah, that's interesting because I, I know that you, um, you know, we had been chatting a little bit before we, we started the episode and, you know, you've been working in, in Pittsburgh on Mindhunter, the um, Netflix series, um, and which is very good. I've, I've seen it. I uh, enjoyed it very much. And, um, you know, you're right that Pennsylvania has a, a very long history. And I think that, you know, I grew up not too far from Pennsylvania in Delaware. Uh, so I'm kind of familiar with the state and not familiar with the part of the state that, that you were in, of course, because Pittsburgh is on the other side of the state and uh, I'm on the other side. But uh, it, it's kind of fascinating that you talk about that because, you know, had you been uh, had you known about the sort of history of the Underground Railroad in, in Pennsylvania before? It doesn't sound like it, but something about that, I guess, kind of captured your imagination, it sounds like. Oh, yes. No, no. I knew about it when I was a little kid, and I thought it was extremely interesting. I grew up in two very different places um, from from the East Coast, for instance. Uh, I was born in South Africa, which was during apartheid, and then I moved to Texas when I was a little kid. So, you know, it's not like I my grandfather owned slaves or anything, but I've always been really fascinated with that history and the history of the Civil War and you know, American history in general. But um, 
but actually being in Pittsburgh and seeing some of these places that are still there to be seen, a lot of them are not. Most of them are not. Most of them are, you know, private residences that are not like any kind of a museum setting. You can't go in and see where people were hidden. But just the entire history of William Penn starting Pennsylvania and the entire state being so influenced by Shakers, Quakers, Amish, and other people that were religious and believed absolutely in their deepest hearts that it was 100% wrong to own a person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I, I guess I'm wondering from you, like, so, uh, you know, you talk about sort of the, the history of Pennsylvania, you, you, you talk about uh, kind of the history and understanding of the Underground Railroad. You have a, a very interesting and unique kind of take on it because, you know, growing up or, or being born in South Africa and then moving to Texas. And, and what, what age were you when you um, when you moved to Texas? I was really little, but I do have memories of um, my my nanny in South Africa who who used to wrap me up against her back while she did housework or walked around in, in sort of an old-fashioned um, papoose sling that that was very traditional. And um, you know, I I knew a few words when I moved to Texas, so it, it it wasn't a big part of my childhood at all, but sort of always felt important, you know. And the entire time that I, that we were there, my my real mother was uh, wanting to be an actress and was an actress for a little while, and she wanted to work with Ethel Fugard, who was in jail the entire time we were there. So things, these stories, you know, come into my mind, and and I relate to them. And um, and yeah, and Pennsylvania is just a really really unique place, um, and that it's uh it's just it's really interesting. One of the one of the things that I learned doing the research for this little piece is that um, property laws were started basically in Pennsylvania by Quakers and Shakers um, and the Amish. And they were the first time in, in the uh, colonies, before we were the United States of America and the colonies, that they, they, impl- they um, implemented laws that said if you came on their land without permission, they could shoot you dead without um, punishment. And that was to guard slaves that they were hiding because slave catchers would come on people's land and just go into basements, go into barns, you know, any place they could get them because the price on their heads was so high. It sounds like, you know, the web series that, that you're working on right now, Hyde is is really rooted in um, in that kind of understanding and, and that kind of uh, uh, you know, it's kind of belief in, in nonviolence and, you know, there are some sci-fi elements to it as well, which, you know, we won't go down a spoiler road because I'm sure you, uh, have a lot of things that, that you don't want to tell the audience you want us to watch it. But, um, you know, how, how do you, how do you get into, uh, uh, making, you know, a sci-fi series that kind of starts out in this, in this era of, of American history that, that I think is, you know, as you intimated earlier is, is, maybe even more relevant with what's going on in terms of, you know, the current administration and things of that nature uh, than it has been for, for a long time. And, you know, certain things like Black Lives Matter and, and, and all sorts of things like that. Yes. Watching the news definitely is, is a factor uh, in why this starts the way that it's starting. Um, and you just, you just said everything that I would have said, but, but the, the fun thing about, sci-fi and the fun thing about time travel is I can take a little white girl from the rural part of Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, who 
probably, maybe, possibly, believe it or not, has barely ever even seen African-American people in her whole life because there are areas of Pennsylvania that are very separate, you know, separate and, um, and, and transform her back into the actual time of when, you know, um, the, the, the property on her land was a safe house and vice versa. I can transport a slave family from 1849 into current day Pittsburgh. And that's pretty fun. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're using, I mean, this is kind of, you know, what, what science fiction is best at, of course, and is, is kind of taking, um, you know, taking these things that, that perhaps are not possible, like time travel, um, unless you have information that, that, that we don't, uh, <laughs> that would be a late breaking story. <laughs> you never know. Um, you never know. Right. Uh, but it, it kind of gives us an opportunity to, to let other people or let sort of archetypes or, or different types of people or different groups of people, uh, have different experiences and put them in very unique situations. So is, is that a correct read on, on sort of, you know, ha- how you're approaching uh, uh, Hyde? Absolutely. It's absolutely correct. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited because where the story goes, I think is going to really surprise people. The spoiler alert is really just for episode one, but what happens directly after episode one and beyond, I don't think anyone will anticipate at all. So you're working on, I'll just, I'll leave that. I'll just let you drop the mic there and we'll, we'll let the audience fill okay. in the gaps and get really anticipate, get some anticipation going. Um, so, so you're working on, on episode one uh, now, is that correct? Correct. I'm in the editing room. And uh, how are you look? I mean, this might be too much of a, a, a premature question, but, but how are you looking to, to get it out? I know you have um, an Indiegogo campaign up, right? And, and so you're, you're looking for some, I think, some, some help to uh, uh, get the rest of the episodes produced, correct? And you're kind of like thinking about how to get it out there? Absolutely. Um, I have the money raised already for episode two, which is exciting. And I'm hoping to get um, eight episodes altogether finished and ready to take to bigger networks and see if we can, you know, make something even bigger out of it than a small web series. Um, yeah, so we have an Indiegogo campaign and that's, uh, hide the series. If anybody wants to check it out and check out the trailer, it's not maybe going to be quite as fun for uh, people who've listened to this podcast because they're going to know a lot about the, about the episode one storyline now, but I, I think it's a good trailer. I really do. And, uh, um, we also just FYI for any Star Trek fans, since I think you speak to a lot of them on a regular basis, we have a secret, um, a very, very secret uh, perk. That, that's what they call it on Indiegogo. It's like you donate 25 bucks and you get this or that or a T-shirt. But we have a secret one just for Star Trek fans. Oh, well, there you go. That's that's very exciting for our listeners. So so go over to that Indiegogo campaign and, and check that out because I'm sure our listeners will be very excited about that. Um, so, so I guess just to go back to, you know, just to talk a little bit more about Hyde and, and you know, then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, what you've been doing recently on Mindhunter and, and also a little bit about your Star Trek work, because I'm sure you have some good stories there, uh, is, so you're writing and you're directing and producing this, this web series, um, you know, yeah. is this, you know, these are, these of course are, are things that are. Uh, very difficult for for a person to to do one of those jobs, let alone three of them. So, um, 
you know, I'm curious, like, who else are you working with on this? Uh, you know, the kind of the actors you're working with. Um, you know, this is a very sort of ambitious thing, and it, I mean, the trailer looks great. So, um, I, I'm, so just, I'm just, I'm yeah, just, yeah, so sure. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just curious. I've had, to... I've had some really good actors come out for no money, so that's the only way we're able to do this for so such a low budget. A really good DP that came out for below his rate. Same thing for the our, our sound guy and gal. We've had a sound guy and a sound gal. And one of the actors that I'm really proud to be working with is called Marty Schiff. And people might recognize him from the early days of Nickelodeon, where he had his own show, or the old show Dallas, if anybody is old enough to remember that show. And then more recently, the Living Dead franchise movies that are, you know, all been shot around Pittsburgh. So he's, um, he's a really, really talented and seasoned actor. And uh, the young lady who plays the slave mother is called Amy Lynn Elliott, and she's a local actress in Pittsburgh who's done, you know, small things. And I'm, oh, gosh, I hope, I hope to break her out. I actually wrote the piece for her and the young lady who is now 14, year old, 14 years old called Karen Hixenbaugh. And she's, um, she's a fairly seasoned actress as much as you can be in Pittsburgh in such a small market. She's done commercials and all kinds of things, and uh, I wrote I wrote the piece largely around those two young ladies. Oh, that's great! So, so you're really keeping it local as well. I mean, you're really lo- using local actors and and really kind of of grounding it in, in a in a real place. I think that's 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 really interesting. Thank you, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I, I love it, and I will say too, we've had a couple of actors that came out to the series, and I, I cast them and. I was wringing my hands, not knowing because they were so inexperienced. And a couple of those actors have done so well. I'm looking at, you know, the footage now and thinking, gosh, you know, Peter really came through with a great performance. He's pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's, you know, that's really, really fun. I love working with people that are hungry to learn. And um, I, I was an acting coach as well in L.A. for, for a bit. And I love, I love doing that. I absolutely love it. Yeah. How, how is it directing actors, you know, having worked as, as, you know, a working actor in Hollywood and, and then also as an acting coach as well? Is, is that, is that rewarding? Do you find that uh, difficult? How, how do you, how do you find that? I find it so rewarding and that is my strong suit. I will not claim to be, you know, a talented DP or know much at all about cameras and I don't know anything about lighting except for what I like. You know, what I, when I see it, I know I like it. But my strong suit, I hope and think, is working with actors. I've, I've always been, not always, I have been a, a, a pretty good coach for actors and teacher for many years. So I, I absolutely love that. And, and to me, that's everything. It, to me, this little piece is very inexpensive. It's very ambitious for very, very little money. And my focus in this first eight episodes is going to be on performance and story. Now there are a couple of little uh, of little special effects, and I dare anybody to figure out how I did it. <laughs> and if anybody figures out how I did it, I, I I'm going to do something special with them or for them, and bring them onto the set and have them advise us or whatever, something great. Because I'll be very impressed if anyone figures out how I did the little special effect that's in the trailer that you can see. Oh, you're laying you're laying down some good challenges for our audience, so so I'm sure you'll get some takers on that. I hope so. I hope so. I was really proud. I did come up with that special effect, 
And at first, my DP was like, I don't get it. I don't understand. And I said, can we please just try it? And so we tried it. I think it came out really well. And that's in the first episode? Yep. And it's in the trailer. Oh, nice. Nice. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out again if it's in the trailer for sure. I'll have to look at that because <laughs> I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. All right. Well. Speaking of actors as well, I, I, I kind of would be, you know, talking about sort of the the sort of like, I guess, socially responsible role that that you're looking at taking with this and, and sort of like the current, you know, political environment and all those sorts of things. Then hearing you talk about, uh, you know, really directing new actors and, and sort of how rewarding you find that work. You know, one of the things that I thought was was really interesting um, as sort of a, I guess, a meta uh, piece of information about. Uh, Hyde is, you know, right on the Indiegogo campaign, you you do say that um, you're really devoted for uh, equal pay for equal work, and you're also devoted to a, to a non-toxic work environment. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, since you put that right on the Indiegogo campaign, that must be very important to you. Um, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that. Like, I mean, it's, in, it's incredibly important to me. Oh, gosh, I hope I don't get emotional here, actually. <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. Um this is such a big reason that I want to do this project because I'm hoping to create a nonprofit production company um, that will hold three golden rule tenants here. And the first one is the toxic workplace, no sexual harassment, no emotional or abusive treatment of workers ever, zero tolerance. And, you know, I have to say big companies, Sometimes it look like there's zero tolerance because they'll fire someone that's famous because it was in the Washington Post or the New York mm-hmm. Times, and they are they are negligent to the sort of normal people, you know, the lower down the ranks, the, the non-famous people, if you will. So that will not be the case with uh, my production company when I get it off the ground. The second one is um, equal pay for equal work, and to to my knowledge, again, I, I would love any listeners' input. If you know of a production company, meaning a, a production company that's creating content that that actually holds by that tenant, it's very skewed in the enter, entertainment industry. Men make much, much more money than, than women, including me, including in my career. I've, mm-hmm. I've known that I've come in to replace men doing their same job and for half the pay, literally half the pay. So I'm just not doing that. And, and that, you know, in the best case scenario, the little company will blow up and we'll produce things that are on the sci-fi network or AMC or one, one of these great channels or one of the great streaming channels like Amazon or Hulu. And, and uh, there will be that issue that, you know, the male actors and male stars want more money and expect more money. And I'm just not doing it. I just want to try to prove that it can work. And, and I, think, I think that it's not, it's not um, something that we can wait for. I think it's sort of like, this is a, we're late to the party kind of, kind of uh, issue. In my opinion, we're late to the party and it, this should have happened a long time ago. And the third golden rule tenant will be responsibility um, to the environment by everyone in the production company and all the vendors that we use. So if we're looking at a caterer down the line and one of them, you know, uses styrofoam, that's not going to happen. Period. There's a lot of lot of waste in the entertainment industry as well. I have known this fact with uh, friends in L.A. and Pittsburgh, about uh, you know, with art department people that literally pay exorbitant amounts of money to take very useful materials like wood or piping or tile or all kinds of things that you wouldn't even imagine furniture to the dump and pay the dump to put that stuff into a landfill and 
to my mind, it's it's sort of ridiculous. And I would like to give one shout out to Mindhunter and the city of Pittsburgh, and a nonprofit that they have there in Pittsburgh. I'm in Los Angeles right now, um, working on some editing stuff. But Pittsburgh has a place called um, Construction Junction, and big companies like Mind Mindhunter, Netflix, any production company. I hope that the Mr. Rogers movie that's filming right now will do the same thing. Go and buy materials from Construction Junction and then donate it back when they're finished using it. And it's a very it's a very you know cost effective thing to do as well as being environmentally responsible. So Construction Junction goes and they will pick up your stuff. So whether it's furniture or cabinets or you know piping or any kind of building material lighting fixtures, you name it, it's all kinds of stuff. It's a place that's huge and it's amazing. They'll go pick it up from you for free and you you know, you donate it to them if you don't need it and then they sell it for a very small price and kinda of help save the planet every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really great. I mean, there there are so many places around the country that will they'll do things like that. And I think keeping it local and and using um you know, reusing things uh, you know is, is such a great thing to do because yeah. it really does um, you know, there's no need to just buy, you know, some, some plastic crap or, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's better to, to sort of like try and get something out there and have it reused and, and have a little bit of history behind it too, I think is really nice. Yeah, so I'm, exactly. I, yeah. So, so I'm curious, um, you know, I, I, I hear you talk a lot about how important it is for equal pay for equal work and no, no sexual harassment, no harassment of any kind. Um, and you know, I think that I don't really have a question, but I just think that, that it's so, uh, you know, it's so refreshing and, and so nice and so so wonderful to hear uh, someone like you who, who's trying to get something off the ground to to kind of put that forward. You know, I, I, I you know I know that there's a lot of things going on in the news right now and has been going on in the news, um, you know, for months and months and months, according to to Me Too and, and and things like that. And you're right that that sort of you know a lot of it is okay. This person gets fired. This famous actor gets fired. This famous producer gets fired. Whatever it is, but you know what you, what you hear from from I've read a lot of articles because um, you know Hollywood and, and sort of the entertainment industry is an, is, a, is an interest of mine. Um, that that you you hear a lot about behind the scenes people production people you know uh, who who the the environment for them has not changed at all you know it it really is still the same and so i i just i i just want to applaud you for 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 putting that out there so strongly because i i think that's how things start to change yeah and i i hate to say it but it's still really scary to to do anything or say anything and i started working as an actress when i was a teenager professionally and i can Hardly tell you how many stories I have uh, about that happening to me as an actress, you know. And I, I know it happens to people that are not actors as well all the time, so often. And women are still scared because they will still lose their jobs if they speak up. And it, and I, I think there's value in certain people losing their jobs if they treat women that way or, or, or men or whomever, anyone. But I also think there's real value in in trying to create a company that does things differently. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, your, your career as an actor then, because I, you know, I, I'd be remiss. I mean, this is a Star Trek podcast, so I, I, I have to, uh, you know, get you to talk about, um, your, your role on, on the inner light that, you know, one of the most famous, 
uh, episodes of the next generation ever. I think that um, you know it's it's widely regarded as as the best, or if, if not one of you know one of the best, if not the best uh, episode of the next generation. And you know you're 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 a big part of that. You know. Um, you played uh, Maribor, which was uh, Captain Picard's, uh, you know, slash, uh, I, I, you know, as terrible as a Trekkie. I, I don't keep all this information in my head. I think I'm starting to get a little bit older and things are leaving my brain. But um, his character in the show, you played his his, his, daughter. his daughter. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you have a very memorable, you know, few scenes in that episode. And so I'm, I'm curious about. Um, you know, hearing you talk a little bit about about what it was like, um, you know, to to do that. I mean, did you did you realize at the time, um, you know, how big a deal that that would be? I don't think I fully did until I was on that set and until I read the full script and was on the set with Patrick Stewart. I think that you have heard sort of. Uh, some insinuation from other people that he directed a little bit behind the scenes mm-hmm. on that episode, and he mm-hmm. did. I was, I would say he absolutely did. And then just to realize that, um, you know, it was just going to be a whole different kind of episode than than any other next gen, because he had a family. He got to live a whole other life that you never get to see this captain live. And I was, I was a big. Star Trek fan when I was a little kid. I wasn't allowed to watch TV, but my brothers and I would sneak next door to our neighbor's house and watch reruns of the original Star Trek, and then we would play it <laughs> in the yard. You know, someone <laughs> would be Kirk, and I, I always wanted to be Spock for some reason. I had a, I, I had a crush on him, I guess. Um, and we would, you know, play out the episodes, and, you know, it was my favorite and practically only television show when I was a kid. <laughs> So you you had a knowledge, of course, of, of Star Trek going into this. H- had you watched The Next Generation, or had you mostly been been an original series uh, person? Mostly the original series, to be honest with you. But I, I watched it some. But honestly, I was such I was so busy when I was young. I was a very young single mother. So between auditioning and acting and raising a couple of kids, oh, and that's a little trivia. So when I did uh, that episode, The Inner Light, I had just had a baby about two and a half weeks before I did the episode. Oh, wow. So I went on set with my nanny and, you know, my infant baby. And I was terrified about the breastfeeding aspect because the second costume is just like this sheer light-colored silk, and they only had one of them. So I was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) they're going to kill me if I get breast milk on this costume. (laughs) That was really exciting. Yeah. So, so I've always, um, I've always heard and read that, that the next generation set was, was particularly, um, welcoming. I, I've, I've, I've read that and, and also that they were very, um, I don't know what the word is, but, but I guess fun loving is, is the word to use. Uh, did, did you find that? I mean, it, it, it seems like it's hard to say, of course, I know, you know, you're a working actor and you, you get a job and you show up to go to work and, um, you're, you're not really knowing what to expect, but, uh, you know, how, how was that experience, you know, being, being on that oh, no, set? Oh, no, but for... you're right. Different sets have completely different vibes. You're absolutely right. And, and, and that Star Trek set was wonderful. I think that the regular cast, when they were doing their regular thing with all of them, LeVar and everybody, they were, I think they were real super fun-loving. This was more of a, like a whole cast of guest stars, mostly with Patrick Stewart. So it was less like you know, joking around, but very welcoming. I, I thought everyone on that whole uh, show was, f- 
from everybody. And, you know, sometimes they're not all nice, you know. It, that happens a lot. But, no, they were fantastic. And I did know LeVar, so it was really fun to, uh, you know, be on his show. <laughs> Let's face it, it was his show, not my show. But our kids went to school together, so that was really, that was really fun for me. Oh, that's nice. So you get to catch up that way and, and kind of see people. That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's 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 funny, like, you know, coming, uh, you know, for me and coming from people that listen to this that, that may not, you know, work in the entertainment industry. Um, you know, a lot of times I think people forget that it is just, uh, you know, a business and you kind of run into people that you know and, you know, that kind of thing. And so it, I always I always like hearing stories like that because it, it makes it seem like. Uh, like I don't know, it just it, it takes the 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 uh, curtain back a little bit. It makes it seem a little more approachable, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I want to kind of touch on on what you said about being a cast of guest stars because I, I think that's actually really astute. You know, like you would have interacted with the actors on the set, but but you didn't have any scenes with any of them except for Patrick Stewart, and he was not playing Jean Luc Picard. He was playing another character. So, you know, you and the other great guest stars uh, uh, on that episode were were kind of the main cast for that episode. I mean, you were in your own story. Um, you know, was exactly, it was it yeah. difficult to kind of kind of create that world for yourself, kind of not going into a, a you know an established series, which is kind of an interesting difference than I think a lot of TNG guest stars had. I think maybe in some ways it was easier because. Um, it was this whole other world. It was like a little movie, you know? So I think maybe in some ways it was easier for us because the expectations of what, you know, this per- these people on a, on a certain, you know, ship would look like or, or act like, you know, you know, it, and the, 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 all the norms of all the, uh, the regular episodes were not on our, on our episode. It was its own thing. So I think that made it easier, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can see that for sure, because you get to create your own thing. It's kind of exciting. And you know, there, there's no sort of preconceived notions, I guess, about, about you know what you have to do or what you have to say. I mean, you have to read the words on the page, of course. And I know that, that Star Trek was famously, um, you, you had to be on book and you had to say the words exactly the way they were on the page. There was no ad-libbing. But, uh, Things like that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I guess, you know, moving aside from, from Next Generation, I, I also want to touch briefly on um, on Sliders as well, which I think might be of interest to, to some of our listeners. I, I used to watch Sliders when I was um, – I'm, I'm 37 now, so I, I grew up watching um, a lot of the sort of like 90s uh, sci-fi fantasy genre television. So a lot of stuff like The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, of course, you know, Voyager, but also things like Sliders, um, you know, The X-Files, you know, all sorts of things. So, so you were in an episode of Sliders, and Sliders was – uh, I think it also kind of interestingly has some resonances for for what you're working on now, your web series, because it, it it's not a time travel series. It was a parallel world series, but it's kind of a similar thing where they would move through different things. Do you want to talk a little bit about about what it was like to to work on that? Because it it also sounds like you're you're a little bit of a sci fi fan, so um, I'm sure that working on these kind of things were were exciting for you personally. It was really fun. I loved I loved working on sliders. I'm sure that everybody knows that they've shot that in Vancouver, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous city. And the episode that I was on is called Love Gods, and it was just a really interesting concept. I think a lot of the sliders episodes were really, really cool concepts, you know? Like, ooh, I could see that happening, <laughs> you know? Um, and a little maybe, I don't know if it was ahead of its time, but I guess, you know, 
I don't know. It was it was really fun, and everybody was super nice. And I have a a really really random story about sliders. You want to hear it really quickly? Yes, go for it. Okay, so a few years ago, I sold my house in Los Angeles, and I went traveling all over the place. And I was in Bali all by myself. I was going to meet a friend, and I was standing in front of the Lotus Temple. And this girl and I were both sort of doing the selfie thing that you do when you're by yourself, getting your selfie in front of the Lotus Temple. And she said, well, hey, I'm here by myself, too. How about if I take one of you so it's a better picture and you can take one of me? And we started talking. She said she was from Vancouver. And I said, oh, I've only been there once to, you know, for work. And she said, well, what kind of work did you do? And I said, I was on this TV show called Sliders. And she looked at me and said, you filmed that in my house. I was 12 years old, and I thought you were a movie star. And me and my twin <laughs> sister thought you, you guys were the coolest things ever. And sure enough, it was, it was her house that we shot it in, and we ran into each other in Bali. Oh, wow. Many, many, many years later, it was the most random thing. Little things like that when they happen to you in life. Also, I don't know if this happens for other people, but for me, sometimes I think, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's a little fate out there. Maybe there's some things that we don't understand. It's funny. I had a similar situation. I, I went to the uh, most recent Star Trek convention in Las Vegas um, just, you know, a couple weeks ago. I got back and... Uh, so I, I ended up uh, sitting a few rows down from a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in 20 years that I grew up with, um, you know, when I was uh, a teenager. And um, that was kind of random. So it's just things like that that make you think that there is something out there that's sort of like, you know, putting putting the moves on us a little bit and sort of like making us uh, have these things happen or kind of arranging things for us sometimes, which is which is really interesting. So that was pretty exciting what happened at that convention, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. That was certainly very exciting. <laughs> I, I was in the room when that happened, and phew. you were. I was not, and someone ran and grabbed me and told me that it was happening, and said, "Come on, you have to say hi to Patrick." So I went and just grabbed him backstage, and he gave me the biggest hug, and he goes, "Hello, Maribor. It's been such a long, long time." <laughs> and I was like, "I know." <laughs> So it was, uh, it was and, a great, but, he, but oh, great that's so nice that, that yeah, it's so nice that he remembered you and 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 I mean because he just always I think is 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 he he locks into everybody that he works with I think and and everybody that works with him just loves him I mean you, and I think I can tell that that you have a lot of affection for him so that's nice to hear. He's fantastic, and we we discussed when we were on the set that. We went to the rival schools in London. I went to the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art, and he went to the Royal Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. So we immediately had that little connection of studying at those two fantastic schools in London. So um, kind of just to, to wrap back around and, and talk a little bit more um, about, about Hyde and, and kind of your, the work you're doing now, which I also think is, is really interesting because, because now you're working as, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but a casting director on Mindhunter. Is that right? I'm actually... I have, I've been a casting director more than I've been a background casting director, but on Mindhunter, I have only been a background casting director. Okay. So you're, you, you do all the background characters, you do the extras, you do that kind of thing, right? Right. And the extra cars and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Okay. So what, what is it like working on, on that show? Because, um, you know, I'm assuming that you're not on set much because you're casting. I mean, you're, you know, you're not a, a production necessarily, right? Um, but but Mindhunter is such an interesting looking show, and I think that a lot of the um, you know a lot of the background actors that you get must you know how how do you sort of approach that? I mean, is it is it just 
you put out casting calls and you just get people and you look at them and you say, okay, yes, this is who is going to be in this or who this is not, this person is not going to be in this. I mean, how much, how does that work exactly? I think I'm just kind of like geeking out a little bit because I, I'm fascinated by this stuff, but I'm interested to hear how it, how it kind of put, how it gets worked and, and put together. Oh boy. Mindhunter is the hardest job I've ever had. It's been the hardest job because it's period, because it's in a smaller market. Pittsburgh is a, Central Pittsburgh is a population of 300,000 people. The surrounding area make it a lot bigger, but it's just so much smaller, and the industry is so much smaller, even than Atlanta, but for sure smaller than New York or Los Angeles. And there just aren't enough people there that want to do background work to, to cast people that want to do background work. You have to go out and find lawyers and secretaries and rocket scientists. No joke, I did cast a rocket scientist on season one. And, you know, dental hygienists and waiters and Uber drivers and students and retired people. And it's really, really hard to find enough people. The show has a voracious appetite for background actors because we can't repeat them because the story goes from Altoona to Sacramento to Joliet in Chicago to, right. you know, I'm just saying things from season one, so I'm not, you know, going to be in danger of spilling any beans here, but but it goes to all these different places. So we can't see a cop that was in Sacramento back in Altoona or, you know, anywhere else. So it's, um, it has a voracious, voracious appetite for background actors and it's period. And the hair and makeup and costume departments are the best, the very, very best and very, very, very particular. So yeah, it's really hard to find all those hairstyles and, um, skinny people that'll look great in the clothes and people that will show up for days at a time and take days off of their real work to come and be on the, on the set. It's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. And, um, and I, I'm interested cause I, I actually didn't realize that the Mindhunter, uh, filmed in, in Pittsburgh until, um, I, I, uh, got invited to, to speak to you. Um, which I, I, I do you, do you know why it's filmed in Pittsburgh? Because it sounds like it would have some some logistical challenges. That I mean, is it just because they want it to look kind of like where it is? Um, is that the a, idea? I'm, I'm sure that's a very big part of it. Um, because it's set in the late 70s, you know, things have to look like they could be pre-1979, essentially. So all around Pittsburgh are little towns. Because it's such an old city, it was built you know, more along the lines of how, like, English towns grew up. Pittsburgh became this great big city, but originally it's so old, it was built on deer paths and all this, you know, horse wagon trails, etc. And all these little townships, almost like English townships, are all around Pittsburgh. And they all have a different look or a different vibe. And so it's, you know, possible to cheat, you know, at at the 70s-looking neighborhood in Pittsburgh and it's possible to cheat a very, very old looking courthouse there and on and on and on. So I think locations have a big thing, big part to do with it, but they also are very generous with their, their tax, um, their tax give backs. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, Austin how... got rid of, Austin got rid of their tax um, incentive and Linkletter did his last two movies in Pittsburgh, which is shocking because Linkletter huh. is, you know, famous famously loyal to Austin and wow. Texas. 
Well, P- Pittsburgh is a, a fast, I mean, I've never been there, but I, 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 you know, like I said, I grew up outside of, um, Philadelphia. And so I think that they have kind of a different vibe. One of my, one of my best friends from college is from, um, uh, Williamsport, which is sort of like in the middle of the state. So, so Pennsylvania has a very interesting look and a very interesting feel and vibe. And I, I think you do see that on screen. Um, I also think it's interesting how you talk about, you know, how sort of like it, it, it does put an impact on what you're seeing on screen to sort of make it feel like the seventies because, so I lived in, um, in New York for a long time and I watch, you know, TV shows like the Americans or, um, or, or, you know, like girls or, or broad city, things like that. And you watch this and, you know, you're, you're, it's supposed to be, you know, for example, like with the Americans, it's supposed to be the 1980s in Washington, D.C. And I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, that was the that was the park I used to take my dog to. And it just completely throws you out of it. So it gives you, a, I think, a renewed appreciation for for how difficult it is to, to make period pieces as well. Yes. And the locate everybody on Mindhunter must be doing a fantastic job because I have met older couples and older people that have lived in Pittsburgh their entire lives that come to me, you know, when we're just in conversation at a restaurant or out and about and say, but you filmed a lot of this in Atlanta, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's all around Pittsburgh. <laughs> so that's a real compliment to the location department and David Fincher and the entire, you know, crew and, and cast and everybody, because there are a lot of people from Pittsburgh born and raised their whole lives that don't recognize certain, you know, areas and are just convinced that, we went here or we went there. I was like, nope, this is all in and around Pittsburgh, all of it. <laughs> well, I, I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, so if you want to, once again, just let people know how they can find out more about Hyde, you know, please do so. Sure. Thank you so much for letting me uh, shout that out. Um, it's, we have an Indiegogo campaign that's active right now and um, Star Trek fans might want to check out the secret perk just for them only for them very limited edition kind of thing and um it's indiegogo hide the series and on youtube you can type in indiegogo hide the the trailer and it'll pop up the trailer or the series either one so you know i anybody who's curious i hope you send people to our youtube or to our indiegogo not only to raise money i mean in my dream world it would be raised by $1 at a time. And I really sincerely mean that, you know, sort of the Bernie Sanders model where it, this is, this is a, a series and a concept that so many people love that we're all going to make it. We are going to make it like a lot of people are going to make it that want to see something original and want to see a production company that follows these, these tenants of that are so important to me. And I hope they're important to other people too. Well, Jennifer, Thank you so much. This has been r- really fun, and and I wish you the best of luck with you know finishing up the first episode, getting the rest made, and and your work on Mindhunter as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.